Welcome to the Elder Law Coach Podcast, where you'll get the information you need to really help seniors lower your work stress, improve your work-life balance, and make a good living. Your hosts are certified elder law attorney Todd Watley and his co-host Sarah Scott. They're here to help you do just that. Join us today as we discuss hot topics in elder law and topics to help you help our seasoned citizens and their families. Here's your Elder Law Coach podcast hosts, licensed nursing home administrator Sarah Scott and Todd Watley. Yes, this is the Elder Law Coach podcast. And as always, I'm extremely thankful that all of you listen and uh, appreciate the feedback about the podcast. It seems to be um, being received well and people are enjoying it and I would love suggestions. So if you have any suggestions, please feel free to email me at Todd at the elderlawcoach.com and give me some ideas on things you would like to hear on the podcast. And thankfully, I am here again with my co-host, Sarah Scott. Hey, Todd Watley. Welcome, everybody, to this fabulous podcast. We are just thrilled that you are listening and learning and hopefully applying what you hear on each episode to your practice Mm -hmm. and to your clients. And today, we want to talk specifically about a very important document that I found extremely helpful when it is in place as a nursing home administrator and former social worker yeah. called the advanced directive. Yeah. In our office, we do almost every client who comes through our office. If they don't have this in place, they do four documents, mm-hmm. a financial power of attorney. And there's podcast on that and yeah. soap boxes and everything on that. So everybody understands that healthcare power of attorney, same thing, but for healthcare, but then Advanced directives. Mm -hmm. That is one thing that I see missing sometimes. Mm -hmm. And then finally is a HIPAA release, and we'll do another podcast on that later. But the thing that I want to talk about today is the importance of the advanced directive. Yes, absolutely. It is incredibly important. And I think um, for the listeners who are practicing either becoming an elder law attorney one of these days or already are elder law attorneys, that they make sure that this document is kind of the part of the package deal Mm -hmm. when you're getting power of attorney documents prepared. Because Mm -hmm. many times what we see is clients who come in and they say, you know, when we start talking to them about the importance of a power of attorney, they're like, well, I filled one of those forms out in the hospital and I'm yeah. good. Yeah. And I'm like, well, no, you're not quite covered. It's better mm-hmm. than nothing usually. Mm-hmm. But um, the events directive is another form that is incredibly important and that could really help fight some fires um, for your client because they are able to let the world know through this document when they come to the end of their lives and they can no longer make decisions about healthcare treatment options, what it is that their wishes are and, and what types of medical services they either do or do not wish to receive. Mm-hmm. And even if they have previously executed a document through their doctor's office or some other downloadable form online, these forms that your office creates need to be very specific about 
you know, what services or what medical treatments you do or don't want. Mm -hmm. Yeah, people, um, this is also called a living will. I don't like to use that word because everybody confuses it with the last will and testament. And so I'll say it, but I'll say more commonly known as an advanced directive because that's exactly what it's doing. Right. And I'm sure... As an attorney, I'm sure that you know this, but sometimes clients don't know this and you need to explain it to them. And the way I explain, they're like, well, I've got a healthcare power of attorney and that person can do what needs to be done. Well, yeah, but at the end of your life, mm-hmm. when they're th- thinking about putting you on a respirator or, you or know, c- hospice care or it's yes, hospice care, whatever, yeah. and you can't make those decisions, your healthcare power of attorney may be able to say yes or no to treatment, Mm -hmm. but there could be a controversy. There could Mm -hmm. be an issue to say, well, if we don't do this surgery or if we don't put them on a respirator, they're going to die. Mm -hmm. And that is outside your, your scope as power of attorney, because many judges are not going, not judges, many doctors are not going to let a patient die unless there's a living will or advanced directive in place or a court order from a judge. Mm -hmm. And so if there is no advanced directive and your client has a power of attorney, that power of attorney may not have the ability to let their loved one die. Right. And so that's why it's, you know, these are two separate documents. And I always tell people this healthcare power of attorney is good up until your end of life. And then the living will jumps in and Mm -hmm. tells the world, just like Sarah said, it tells the world, here's what I want done or Mm -hmm. don't want done. Yeah. And it also alleviates the pressure for the healthcare power of attorney, assuming that that person does have a document that gives their agent the, the authority to make those end of life decisions. Um, it alleviates the pressure of them having to make the call as to, okay, do we go the surgical and more aggressive route or do we go hospice mm-hmm. and, and more comfort care measure type route? So it, and I always tell our clients, you know, when emotions run high, intelligence runs low. And if you're son or daughter or spouse is your healthcare power of attorney agent and you are dying, their emotions are extremely high Mm -hmm. as anyone would be. And that's understandable, but we don't always make the best decisions. And so in order to, you know, let your power of attorney agent make the best sound judgment calls for you, go ahead and encourage your clients. Let's execute this document. Let's put this in place so that when the day comes and it's at the end of your life, that person doesn't have to make any decisions. They just present this document to your physician and it, and you get your wishes fulfilled. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great way to say it is it, it speaks for you. Right. Okay. This document speaks for your client to mm-hmm. say here there there's no decision to be made at mm-hmm. this point. It's just I you know, your clients already said what they want. Mm-hmm. So as a healthcare provider, when you were in the nursing home, mm-hmm. tell them what this document did for y'all and how mm-hmm. it 
gave you peace of mind and maybe avoided family conflicts or things like that. Sure. Well, so when we would have residents in the nursing home who have these documents in place already, we're getting those upon admission and they stay in the residence chart so that once we are at the end of that residence life, there are no questions There are no um, hard conversations that have to occur because this resident has already, when they were in their right mind and they were fully able to make these decisions on their own, they did it in document style. It is in writing. It's a legal document. And we're going to have to follow those directives, regardless of the emotional state of the family or even sometimes the staff, you know, I mean, the staff get incredibly emotionally attached to a lot of these residents. And if there was a conversation between a nurse, I remember actually there was um, a situation when this resident had had a long bout of cancer and we really thought that the treatment was working, but then, and and it had like, she had gone into remission, but then less than a month later, she, it came back and it was everywhere. And within that month period of when she was in remission, she was, you know, on cloud nine, she was super happy and just thankful and vibrant. And it, And she had talked to a lot of the staff, and particularly one of the nurses, about how she had second thoughts about some of the things that she had put in place. And, you know, now that I know I can beat cancer, I might want to revisit these documents. And so we had a care plan meeting with her and their family. Mm -hmm. And in that meeting, once we really weighed out the risks and the benefits, she decided to make zero changes. Well, typically, and in this case, the charge nurse who she had had that long conversation with, um, was not in the care plan meeting, Oh no! but she was on that residence hall day in day out, Mm -hmm. passing her meds, maintaining that relationship with her. And then once that resident had the recurring diagnosis of cancer and it was terminal, the nurse was adamant. I talked to her. I knew, I know she doesn't want to go on hospice. And I'm like, okay, nurse, nurse Betty, um, here's the documentation from our care plan meeting. We talked about all of this stuff. And at the end of the meeting, she de- she decided she did not want to wow. change anything. That's priceless. And it, I mean, it was seriously a really tough situation sure. for me to be in because mm-hmm. I get where the nurse is coming for. And you want to have those staff members who are caring and compassionate and an advocate for the residents. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, the resident's word is what yeah. sticks and, and there were no changes made. And so I've just had to, you know, kind of handle it with kit gloves. But yes, in that specific situation, it was a, I wouldn't say a lifesaver because it didn't save her <laughs> life, wow. but it was a peace saver, mm-hmm. you know, because the family had peace, the resident had peace and eventually the nurse came around. Sure. But um, yeah, it's, it's incredibly important to, Make sure that your clients understand what this document can do for them and that they let their um, power of attorney agents know 
here's a copy of this document. When this part of my life comes up, you need to give this to my, to my doctors. And we have a really cool um, software program that will allow clients um, access online to their documents. Mm -hmm. And so their doctor's offices can access those, their, um, their family members. And Mm -hmm. it's really handy. And we use DocuBank. DocuBank is a service that Mm -hmm. Um, we'll send out notices, but they carry a card and we'll probably have them on the podcast at, at some point. Mm-hmm. So, so they can explain that. Do you have clients who are over-resourced for Medicaid, but interested in accelerating Medicaid eligibility while preserving their assets? Your clients may want to consider purchasing a Medicaid compliant annuity, MCA. MCAs are specialized insurance solutions offered by only a handful of insurance companies. To learn more about MCAs, reach out to Amber Hines at Ashper. Ashper is a nationally licensed organization that helps clients achieve Medicaid eligibility through the use of MCAs. Ashper hosts monthly educational webinars pertaining to various Medicaid planning topics. To learn more, visit ashper.com or call 888 888- Four four one one five nine five. You're listening to the Elder Law Coach Podcast. Now back to your hosts, licensed nursing home administrator Sarah Scott and Todd Watley. So I, I want to jump back on our topic. Um, two, two situations. I won't go into great detail, but, um, I worked on the ambulance going through college and my grandmother basically died while I was on duty. Mm -hmm. We got there, they were doing CPR. The, the fire department got there first. They did CPR on her and they were just about to pull out the defibrillator and tuber and do all this stuff. And I said, no, 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 no. Hang on. Let me call the doctor in the ER. I want to terminate this. Once you start, you can't stop without a doctor's order. And so I got on her phone at her house, called the ER, talked to the doctor. He said, Todd, I will back you up on whatever that you want to do. And I was like, okay. I said, we're going to stop. He said, fine. And so I told them to quit. And I did that with complete peace of mind because miraculously about 12 hours earlier, I had been sitting on her bedside in the hospital talking with her. She had been in the hospital for a few days and the family was deciding if she should go to a nursing home or not. Mm. And we had this very long car. I had gone on shift 12 hours earlier and um, we were slow, so I went back and talked to her, and I, I sat there probably for two hours, and we just laughed about things and Aww. just talked about life in general, and toward the end of it, she was like, Todd, I don't want to go to the nursing home. I said, yeah. I know, Mama. I said, it's it's hard, but you you know, for your safety, I think you know we need to start looking into it. She said, I, I just want to go home, mm-hmm. and I said which home? She said, well, temporarily I would like to go home, but ultimately I'm ready. I've lived a good life. I want to go home, home, Mm -hmm. home with Jesus. And I said, I understand that. And I said, but surprisingly, I said, we don't have that control. You know, God's going to decide that. Then 12 hours later, I exactly made that decision. I mean, I, and I could hear her words in my head saying, Todd, I want to go home. I Mm want to go home. And so it it was a super easy, not easy. 
I didn't worry that I was doing the right thing. It was a yeah. hard decision because I had spent almost every Friday night with this grandmother growing up. You know, mm-hmm. it was just my my parents wanted me out of the house, and mm-hmm. and so I would go to Mama's house and we would cook, and she taught me how to crochet, how to do <laughs> quilts. We cooked. We did all kinds of grew flowers. I mean, just did all kinds of stuff. And so I was the one who said stop. Let her go. She's done. And then my mother, um, when she got ill, she went into, um, she was in the hospital. They were treating her. She was not getting better. And I, I made the decision to stop that. And I said, Mm -hmm. stop treatment. We're going back to hospice and let her pass away peacefully. But, and they argued with me, the doctors, everybody's like, no, 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 no. I think we can. I said, nope, nope we're done because my mother was a nurse mm-hmm. and she had seen this happen so many times. She said, Todd, once I'm at that point, you do not keep me around. Mm-hmm. Let me go peacefully and just, and I could hear those words. And so my practice tip for you is when you do this, take it seriously. You know, just like Sarah said, yeah. this is a very serious document. Some people just fly over it and think, oh, you know, that's later on. But for a senior person, their death is kind of, front of their mind. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And so I, I would encourage you, whoever's going to make this decision, typically your healthcare power of attorney, but the kids and family have this conversation with them, say the words so that when they're standing over your body, that replays in their head. Mm-hmm. I don't, don't keep me alive. Let me go. Yeah. Okay. Don't do things to let me go. And if they can hear that, in their head, they can, with peace, talk to the doctors and say, he doesn't want this. Mm-hmm. She doesn't want this. Let's stop. Yes, we know it's going to result in her death, but we're okay with that. Right, right. I know. And it's also important to make the distinction between um, this advanced directive and a DNR oh, for just like very general good point. points. Yes. because. Those are two two big questions that I get yep. is, okay, well, what's the difference between this and if I had a heart attack and I wasn't terminal and I could still verbalize my wishes and all mm-hmm. the stuff, if those three things weren't in place yep. and they can just punt my chest a little bit and bring me back, I, I want them to do that. And so I think it's important for you as the attorney to make those distinctions very clear to your client that this document specifically only comes into play at the end of your life, mm-hmm. not when you're 65 and pretty healthy, mm-hmm. have no terminal diagnosis and just happen to have a heart attack. Yeah. They would jump on you. So yeah, mm-hmm. a DNR. Yeah. People do say, well, What's the difference between this and a DNR? A DNR, and when we say that, it's do not resuscitate. There's Mm -hmm. different terms in different states. But basically, that is a form that the client does with their physician. And typically, that is only done once you go into your final, like when you go into hospice, you you effectively sign a DNR to Mm -hmm. say once... I pass away, do not resuscitate me, mm-hmm. or you go into a nursing home. I know nursing home staff would love to have a DNR so that they know absolutely sure we are not to re- resuscitate this person. Yeah. Uh, kind of a horror story real quick. A um, girl who's almost like my daughter, she's a occupational therapy assistant, she was working at a rehab hospital, mm-hmm. and for some reason, this 50-ish 
year old lady had a DNR from a previous hospital stay. She apparently was really bad, signed a DNR, but then got better. And then something happened. She came here. She was up and going and they were thinking about discharging her. She was doing fine Mm -hmm. and she choked at dinner and there was a DNR and they're like, do not resuscitate her. And she, they had to let her die, even though she was like, oh my God. So I do not recommend DNRs until you are at your final place. Yeah. Hospice, nursing home, whatever. That's when a DNR, but that's between a, 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 only in, in my state, only a physician yeah. can sign that. It's a that medical is, thing, yeah, it's not a legal thing, right? Yeah, we would have, um, mm-hmm. yeah, upon admission in the paperwork process of bringing in a new resident, whether it was for rehab or long term care, we had to find out from either their power of attorney agent or the resident, okay, do you want resuscitated or not if your heart were to stop beating? Well, I've already done an advanced directive. I'm like, okay, wait. <laughs> here's the here's the distinction. Again, mm-hmm. this is why it's so important to make that distinction because it's completely different. And it was such a big deal that we would have um, green and red stickers outside of the resident's room, out beside their name, mm-hmm. Green means go, start mm-hmm. pumping the chest. Sure. Red means stop. Okay. I mean, very easy. Yeah. And um, so that if there was a medical emergency and staff is responding, they can just simply glance at the door and know we can resuscitate or not. Okay. Um, but it's totally different than that end of life document. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And I mean, some people go into nursing homes and they're not terminal. No. They're just, you know, they just need help. And yeah. so they're like, hey, yeah, if my heart stops, bring me back. Mm-hmm. Until you're there, it's like, uh, I but I mean, they can have a living will and not have a DNR. Yeah, I absolutely. Mean, a lot of people do, yeah. but once you do a D, so that's the distinction. But mm-hmm. almost a lot of clients are, when I sign this, am I, you know, they'll say, well, will they no longer touch me? I'm like, absolutely oh. no. You sign this and it only comes into place at the end of your life. Yeah. And I always tell them, if, as soon as you sign this, if you had a heart attack right now, I would do CPR on you. Mm-hmm. We would call the ambulance. They would come get you because you're not terminal. You're not the at the end of your life sitting here today. Mm-hmm. Yes, they will still do things for you. If you're in a car wreck, they will help you. It's it's only when you do the DNR. It's like, absolutely don't do anything. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah. a great document. A um, lot of questions, a lot of concerns about it. But um, it should be a part of your package of things that you do for your clients and it it helps build that package the the POA package financial power of attorney healthcare power of attorney living will advanced directive or and a HIPAA release yeah. and we'll do a podcast on HIPAA releases before long because I'm sure Sarah loves HIPAA and all the stuff <laughs> I really do do you mm-hmm. most healthcare people hate it because oh. it's just so and I have a cool story about HIPAA. So yeah, we'll, we'll do a podcast on that later. Anything else we need to talk about? Um, just to make that distinction very clear and impress upon your clients, how important it is and why it's important so that they can be the ones in control. You know, our seniors are constantly fearful of losing control of everything. And so this is one thing that they have control of. They can still, 
be the one making decisions and calling the shots, so to speak, even on the days in the end of their lives when they no longer can because they've executed these documents with you. So just please, please let your clients um, understand and know why they're doing it, what it does, and and that it gives them control even when they feel like they don't have it anymore. Yeah, good point. All right, thank you all very much. Um, I would love to be your elder law coach. If you want to get into elder law or take your practice to the very next level, highest level that you can, I would love to help you anything from four hours to a year. Okay. So if you have questions or would like a phone call, email me, email Tricia, call the office, whatever. I would love to talk to you and help you do the best job in the world and help a lot of really nice folks. All right. Thank you all very much. And we'll talk to you next time. You've been listening to Todd Watley and Sarah Scott on the Elder Law Coach Podcast. Thanks for listening. If you want more information on Todd's coaching program to help you learn elder law and grow your practice, contact him at Todd at The Elder Law Coach or visit the website, theelderlawcoach.com.